It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. We're back again. It's been a month. And uh, I'm James in uh, Austin, Texas. That's Joe in San Antonio. And Joe, the fall, is it's officially here. Well, I mean, you can either put it that the fall is here or the summer's over, whatever, But because it's still 99 degrees here. But it's the fall, man. Like, it, it, first weekend of NCAAs, welcome to Texas Shootout. We have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, there's, there, there's a ton. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't stop after JOs for sure. So No, boy, oh boy, is that true. Um, first of all, um, as we mentioned beforehand, I'll be at your baby shower. Congratulations. I'm looking forward to going to that. I got you something good too. So, you know, I deserve credit for that on, on the podcast at some point about, uh, and why is it my personal life gets put on this and we just find out because you, you never say vacation. anything about me. Never. Because you just go on vacations. So <laughs> there do, you go. That's what I do. Exactly. Right. In fact, I'm going up to the, I'm here. Here's personal life going up to uh, New York in a couple of weeks for college tours. How's that? That's a, uh, has nothing to do with me for a change. It has to do with my daughter. So we'll be doing that, which is very, very bittersweet, as you will find out someday. So um, first weekend of NCAA water polo. And it was it was great because it's almost unusual now, right? Like they played a season in the spring. I mean, Austin College, I think, finished the season having played five, six games or something like that. It was it was like a, it was normal. It was normal. Um, and you got a lot of streaming that was available, including the Bruno invite, which was uh, where Austin college was this weekend. They went one and three, but I think they, uh, you know, we're going to talk with, uh, Mark Lawrence here and, uh, you'll hear that interview at the end of this, uh, a, a couple segments, but going one and three was one thing, but I, they just looked they looked like a team that was, you know, ready to play. I mean, they would, I can give you scores, but um, it, it was a very good weekend to start. I would just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, this is what their third, fourth year now, at yeah. least fourth year. A bunch of seniors. So, um, yeah, they have all those kids that were playing as freshmen. They're, yeah, they're seniors. I'm not surprised that they're that they're competitive and they're and that they're and that they're doing a good job. Two goal loss to Brown. Like, I'm not sure what Brown's going to do this year. Um, and uh, they lost to Harvard pretty decently. Harvard's a good team. Um, you know, beat up on Connecticut College. Played Gannon very close. That was a game actually I watched much of on streaming. I got to talk to Mark about that game. Uh, <laughs> that 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 had some uh, some issues with it. But anyway, don't eight... don't put too much stock into <laughs> these first weekend games. It's, no, it's the coaches getting to know the players. The players getting to know the coaches. It's been a while for for some of these kids playing games. So, you know, this is just the first weekend, and it's going to be a good long season for Austin College. It's uh, something that they haven't had for a couple of years. That's a fun conversation to have with other coaches about what's your strategy and, you know, like do you want to just start the season and just get very, very challenged, or do you want to peak at a certain point? Anyway, that, that'll be interesting to talk to Mark about that. So um, a good opening weekend for them. They, the next games are against Washington and Jefferson. They're going off to Pennsylvania this coming Saturday. So Washington and Jefferson, Penn State Barron, and then the brand-new program in from Augustana. Augustana. I'm going to have to get used to pronouncing that. So three games this coming weekend. All of those winnable, by the way, Joe, I would say. Those are winnable games. Just kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of good luck to the crew up there, and, I, I, and I'm sure we all hope they do well. We're going to talk more about NCAA uh, coming up here, but – so, Joe, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks, huh? Nothing. Oh, we had the Welcome to Texas shootout this past weekend, which what? was great. No, no. Yeah, and we actually got to use the like the indoor pool and facilities. So it was it was a good time. We had we had we had forty eight total teams. 
that played in uh, 96 total games. It was eight to eight on Saturday and eight to eight on Sunday. We had, and it was, um, it was a nice laid back weekend actually. Yeah. I heard nothing but good things. I had my kids playing with Longhorn and who, by the way, placed bronze medal in the 18s and 14s, just a little plug to coach Tom and those guys. Um, but they, I, the feedback was just great. Like it was a, it was a very well-run tournament and the, and even though it was hot, you know, like the, even the outdoor seating, you're, it was breezy and you're under the shade and stuff. So yeah, it sounded like to, to me that the competition was good, that the entire event went pretty well with its usual glitches. Everybody knows that, but, uh, that it was, you had teams from out of the state. So very good. Yeah. And the goal is to, to move this tournament back to May of 2022. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, it'll be a, a little bit cooler and, um, also have a fifth course and have up to about, about 65 to 70 teams. Yeah, for which, next is, which is what I, th- I had was just looking at photos of the 2019 version, which is what I think that's what you're trying to get back to. Right. Like that. That was a pretty busy tournament. I mean, that tournament, we only had about about 40 to 42 teams oh, okay. and we and we only used three courses and we squeezed all the games in on 50 minute time frame. We kept it on an hour time frame. So it was laid back. It wasn't too stressful, but um, we, we cannot use the indoor pool a couple of years ago. That was under construction. So oh, that's right. this year it's we were able to well. use it. So we were we were able to use the indoor pool and then yeah. the fifty meter pool. We did not use the diving well uh, this year. We will add that next year. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's and it's everybody who has not been to that facility was very pleased by it as they should be. It's a really oh, it's great. great. So a big shout out to the north side uh, kind of people and the leadership and Tony Plummer and uh, and Kristen and their crew. And also the like the like the the San Antonio sports people, because we USA Warpole kind of partners with them to bring yeah. this event, and we and we hope to continue to make this the best event outside of California. Right? So. Yeah, really good. Um, I think uh, I noticed uh, that USA Water Polo either tweeted or put on Instagram all of the uh, the champions. So go check that out on online. You can find the uh, all the winners from the the tournament. But overall, a big success. Yeah. And I even coached. Oh my gosh! Oh man, I'm sorry for your kids. That's oh yeah, no. actually, there were a couple of coaches that came on. Go, oh, I saw Vintage Joe out there on the pool deck. Vintage. <laughs> and then I think some parents were like, I've never seen you coach. So there you go. Well, hey, so it was yeah. it was a lot of fun. So was but it? um, it was a bunch of twelves and fourteens that had not played before. It's awesome. I here, but here's my question for you, right? Like, I still like coaching, but I'm really enjoying trying to get younger coaches to help me and to sort of take over over time. And I don't know whether you're in that mode. I know you're building a new club, so you're new. But do you prefer, like, are you still as enthusiastic as co- as at coaching as you have been in the past, or are you enthusiastic about coaching up coaches? I enjoy. I mean, I we are starting a new club with the Alamo. It's quad A down here in San Antonio. Right. And um, we just want to build this up to get it going, to help build the overall club water pole scene here in, yeah, in, in San Antonio because it's behind Austin, which is behind Dallas, which is behind Houston, right? So we, we want it all to build up. Um, and um, and this is just part of it. There's a local tournament, and we had 20 kids that had never played in a weekend tournament playing oh, this past that's weekend. Awesome. Yeah. So and we had a couple board shorts out there. um and uh but yeah i mean it's just it's not that hard it's it's uh protect the ball and get back on defense and swim not that hard (laughs) that is good um and you say it the same way about 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 five different ways and you make sure the kids leave with a smile kind of on their face 
and you know you just encourage them to keep playing hard and yeah and keep going you know obviously that club's not in the same place as thunder or pegasus or viper pigeon but it's a but, but it's a first step so right. yeah, yeah i i mean to answer your question yes i do enjoy the coaching aspect of it all right that's good and uh i also still enjoy kind of kind of kind of talking with coaches and kind of and kind of and, and helping them find solutions to their uh, various issues right so oh they have problems Interesting. Oh, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different steps in club development in, yeah, in, in coach development out there. So I think that's amazing because you and I have both perfected the craft of coaching. So we already know everything, which is extremely not true. Oh yeah, that's true. I don't know anything. Um, masters national also just wrapped up and we're moving on. So that was a, it's, it's almost hard to believe that was in the state, um, because it has so traditionally been in California, but Holy crow. The, the, uh, the, the social media output from Dallas over the weekend was fantastic. You had all these clubs coming into town, having a very good time, at least according to social media, and then going and playing some high, uh, high level water polo too. And that's what Masters Nationals is about. It's, yeah. it's about, it's, it's about having a good time. Sure and, is. um, and that was, you know, that was not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Yeah. And we had about 50 some odd teams that were up there and we had people playing in the 19 to plus division. We had people playing that were 70 plus 70 plus. I saw that. Yeah. So I think there was a goalie that was 80. Wow. That's which so is great. Awesome. Cause waterpolo is a lifelong sport. It's, it's not going to have like the pounding on, on the knees that, that you might get from jogging or basketball or, or stuff like that. Definitely not football, but like, you know, it's one of those things where this is a sport that you can play and enjoy for your entire lifetime. And it just, and these people are out there, there, I'm not gonna lie, there's, there are some very in shape, you know, kind of the 55 and the 60 plus out there. Yes, there are. And they were doing a much better job than what I would have done. And I'm not that old right now. So, um, oh, but, you're pretty um, old. It, Come on. and it was, and it was competitive games. They were getting in again, it was a laid back weekend. They were just happy to be playing because they didn't have that tournament last year. Right. Right. Um, so again, a big, a big shout out to the Pegasus of water polo group that kind of that were the local hosts for most of the facilities, and also Mavericks Water Polo that was a host for oh for for one of the facilities. We cannot do these events without our local hosts. So, um, you know, it. I, mean, I thought it went very very well. Um, of course, some people are going to have some issues kind kind of here or there, but. Um, it was just a great place. I mean, it was in Dallas and the, like the primary pool was at the, at the SMU pool. And that's really close to all the social places to go out. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Lower Greenville and Deep Bellum and Dallas in general. So I think everybody had a really, really good time. So I'll bet, uh, I'll bet not a single master's athlete complained about the refereeing. That never happens ever. Never. <laughs> I just haven't had any a chance to speak to anybody about it. It was just the fact that it was a really good time, like every like like you just said, and and really capped. Well, was one of the two caps on Joe. This might be the busiest or most I don't know what, what do you want to call it the most the, the most engaged summer of all time in the state of Texas, and and to the point where. I mean, obviously, you are working hard on drawing as much competition to the state of Texas as possible. But having JOs, for example, in Texas, I don't see that happening anytime soon again. So this was a pretty special summer. Yeah, it was great. I mean, from the ODP tournament in May yep. to our largest JO quals kind of ever in June to JOs in July um, to Masters Nationals and the Welcome to Texas 
uh, kind of shootout the last couple of weekends. It's been a ton of stuff, which is great. That means we're a little bit more kind of like we are able to do things that we weren't able to do in 2020. And um, I think this is just, again, I think we talked about this on our last, our, on our last podcast. Mm-hmm. This has opened up the dialogue to do more stuff in Texas. Right. We have proven as a group here that, that we can get this done. We have proven as, uh, as I mean, as U.S. War Bowl that we can host things effectively here. Yes. So, and, or just outside of California in general. So um, I just think it's going to open up the dialogue and this is, uh, again, the water polo scene has grown a whole lot here in Texas. Yeah. All right. But we've only still scratched the surface. But very there is so much that we can do still. Yeah. And this is this is the beginning of that next phase. And that's going to lead us to fall 22 with the UIL and so a ton of, like and then a ton more clubs, a ton more tournaments. It's going to be a little crazy here for the next couple of years, but I believe that you know we're going to be it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. It's going to be it's going to be great. It's huge. And uh Keep hearing from people who are interested in moving to the state too, that are uh, have that background. So you know, not obviously the vast bulk of the growth will come from people who already live here. But boy, people are still interested in coming. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, okay, uh, maybe the best fall summer, or sorry, the best summer schedule that uh, this state has ever had. But uh, we will talk about that uh, and the NCAA season coming up next. <laughs> Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here, and we want to keep it that way. So we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. This is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo podcast. Also, you can check out the website. You can follow me at GoSmith now. Thanks, guys. It's the TX Water Polo podcast. James and Joe with you. Um, we uh, we talked about Masters Nationals, but apparently you had a story in particular that we probably should have covered. Yeah, so I actually got to coach one game at Masters Nationals. Oh, no. Yeah, it's great. What um, team? It was the HWP Red Foxes. So HWP for Houston Water Polo Club. Oh, yeah. club that I coached way back in the day. Oh, gosh. Um, and uh, there were like eight or nine girls, or sorry, ladies on that team mm. that uh, that are now in the 30-plus yeah, yeah, uh, category, which makes me feel a little old, but that's okay. That is right. They asked me to coach a little bit, and I and I was a little busy on that Friday, so I wasn't able to coach the first two games. But I went out to where they were playing on that Saturday, and I got up there and coached a little bit. Yeah, it's great. How'd they do? And I was just joking around the first quarter, but then you know, oh, kind of, we were uh, losing five to one, and then the competitive juices kind of got going a little bit. Oh yeah, and um, like, and again, I just talked the same thing I talked to about the twelves and fourteens attack the ball, get back on defense and swim. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and it's one of those things where, uh, we actually came back and tied it, but, but we lost 
in, in, in a shootout. So, oh no. Um, but it was a lot of fun, and it was some names like the Alex Kutak and Kathleen Link and Kristen Barnett and Amanda Colvin and Brittany Germany. Probably forgetting a couple. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of, kind of leaving, yeah, some people out. But it's great to see those people that I haven't seen for 10, 12 years. It so, was, yeah. And I mean, it was just a little bit of a opportunity to reminisce a little bit, which a is flashback. great. Which is, which is what, you know, Masters Nationals kind of is about. It's not that fun, you know, where I go coach a team that I used to coach that in there in the 30 plus division. That's all right. But, um, but no, it was, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And I got a yellow card during the game. I was just going to say what it, I mean, you, you talk about like a little bit of a flashback. I figured you probably yelled at one or two of them, you know, of your players. But no, yeah, I wasn't give, yelling at the players. I, just it, the was Angela, it was here. This is a shout out to Angela, Uno, who I know uh, kind of listens to these podcasts. Uh-huh. I got a yellow card from Angela. Oh, yeah. You deserved it. I kind of pushed the buttons on purpose to get the yellow card just to have a good story. That's but great. like, you know, and it's one of those things where I don't think. I think she was a little mad at me after the game, but I was, <laughs> but yeah, but I got her kind of laughing kind of a little bit. So. Yeah. Uh, and well, all right. Who's the shootout against? I mean, what was, who was the opponent? I can't. Remember. It was Praetorian oh, okay. and the, it was, uh, uh, Bernice O'Connor was their goalie, otherwise mm-hmm. known as, as, uh, Bernie Orwig. Orwig. Yep. So this is a former Olympic goalie. And I'm like, yeah, Oh crap, we're going to have to go to shootout. So pretty good. there you go. No, but no, but to just kind of, just kind of dovetail about the whole summer. Again, I, I just want to thank all the, all the athletes, the teams, the parents, USA water Polo, kind of home office. I mean, it takes a ton of people to make this happen. And we, this is, we, we, as in Texas kind of stepped up to, to, to get to make this happen. And, you know, and I don't think that this is going to be the end of that and the end of those opportunities. Wow. This is just the beginning, and I cannot wait to see what happens in 2022 well, and here, beyond. Here's uh, – I am hardly one to try to puff Joe Linehan up here, but it takes a village is one of your favorite things. I'm not a big fan of that statement. I, purposely, all, I, I, I did not say but, that term on purpose. I know but, you it, don't like that term. but it also takes leadership, and so – Yes, it takes all of these people to do these things, but it also takes leadership. I will just leave it at that, Joe Linehan. That's that's what it takes. Well, I thank you, but you know, um, it's it's uh, spread around to a lot of different people. So thank you. Yeah. But now, but you know, we turn the page. Like you know, the Welcome to Texas Shootout really is the start of the fall events, right? So yeah. And we have a and we have a ton of fall events coming up here we too. We have the Armadillo Classic in North Texas, um, hosted by Mavericks. At the end of September, we have the VP. Um, Octo Polo Fest um, in South Houston here the first weekend of October. My kids love the name of that tournament. Like I, I have a hard time wrapping my name around, head around Octo Polo Fest, but they love it. And all the, the like the vibrants are very creative people. They are creative. So and um, and then we have um, the the Texas Challenge Cup, which will be up in North Texas yep. um, the first weekend of November. Um, and then there's going to be a master tournament um, hosted by Pegasus also in November. Um, and then there's going to be Rocktober that teams from Texas tend to go to here in, in October. There's a Champions Cup, which will be um, in November. So there's a ton of stuff coming on. And then a little kind of last but not least, we have the Cowtown tournament in, in December. And that's that's just the competitive stuff that's going on. That doesn't even include all the ODP stuff. Yeah, and that's coming up. But we, actually, where's Rocktoberfest? Is it in Colorado again or where is that? No, it's in Mesa. 
Mesa, Arizona. Got it. Okay. Um, ODP, um, if you wanted to move on, that that's a busy schedule, by the way. Like, I'm I'm impressed. Like, again, I, I talk to people who are moving to the area, and they ask, you know, well, you know, how much competition is there? And I read that. And they're, you know, they're, I think uh, several of them are surprised. Like they just didn't think there was that much competition going on in Texas. Well, there you go. No, but, but here's the thing. It's just going to be more and more and more. Yeah. Cause, because uh, just like the swim meets that are out there where, where you have an A swim meet and a, and a double A swim meet and then, a, and then a B swim meet all on the same weekend. Yeah. We're eventually going to have that as well. It might be split up by age groups where you have, you know, Club A is going to host the 1816s and Club B host the 14s and 12s in the same kind of kind of general area, but you know um, it's going to it's just, it's going to get busier and busier and busier, which is only going to be a good thing because we need we need more opportunities to play and compete, especially after you know kind of what's gone on the last year and a half. Yeah, that's for sure. And and for those that don't know, we do have an ODP camp coming up here. Um, uh, at the UT Swim Center on Sunday, September 19th. Um, that registration is open. What you have to do is you have to go log into the new database system with USA Water Polo and, and on the left hand and on the left side menu, click camps and then scroll down to the Southwest zone of the ODP camp number one. Eventually the camp number two and camp number three, which are in Houston and North Texas uh, respectively in the middle of October, those will be up as soon as possible. Those are not up yet. That'll be the that'll be the Southwest Zone, the ODP camps as yeah. of right now. Yeah, that first so. one has an address that says it's in Houston. I don't know whether that's been fixed by now. We've been talking with USA Water Polo about that, but yeah, that is the first clinic at UT. Yeah, and the and the address that is once you click on it, the address that is in the body of it is it's the a, correct. It's correct. Yeah, that's I've, I've had to talk to some people about that. Um, the big turnover in coaches, by the way, uh, for ODP, um, almost half are, are different. Um, I, I actually don't have them in front of me, but I guarantee you have them memorized. But a real, actually a pretty significant change in coaching, which I think is nice, like a little bit of fresh blood in there. I mean, there's still a lot of the same coaches are there. You still have, you know, uh, Chris Cohen's going to be in charge of both the boys and girls and the whole program. Um, you still have Sabrina and Spencer at the top of the boys and girls kind of yep. respectively. Um, I mean, yeah, there's gonna be some new coaches. Um, it's great. Um, I mean, there's some new coaches, but I do think it's a great opportunity to get some of these. Co- like, I think the Houston Hydro coach is out there. That's right. I mean, right. Um, I think the Oxford, uh, the Oxford okay. coach is out there. Chris Olvera, yeah. Um, the Mavericks coach is out there. Yeah, um, Donzi. So, so, I mean, there are a ton of of new people, and people want to be part of this. And this is just, you know, as we keep getting bigger in this zone, it's the ODP thing is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger as well. And so I, I suggest to the parents and athletes out there, you know, kind of, kind of sign up, sign up for these camps as, as kind of, as soon as you can, there's a little bit different process after the camps are over, but we can talk about that on the next podcast. Yeah, that's a different time. And, and it's a, it's a interesting change. I, I obviously am a, as the former head coach, as are you, big fans of the program. And so there's never going to be a point where I'm going to say for kids not to go. But the thing that I, why I mentioned the coaches is because 
it is such good exposure to get in front of other people who are coaching the sport. And especially when I was going to say, you know, especially when you're young, you really kind of don't know what you don't know yet. And it's just, again, it's good to get in front of coaches, whether they're from Texas or elsewhere, uh, and, and learn this. And this is a long winded way of also saying to my assistant coaches and those from central Texas, go to this clinic. I, I guarantee you're going to learn something. Just go to the clinic. You don't have to, you're not going to be coaching, but you'll be observing and it's really useful. There there's, I don't usually tell our listeners what to do, but there you go for coaches and from central Texas, you should really go to that. Yeah, go for it. And yep. it's the same weekend as Tisca, so there's a lot of learning opportunity going on that weekend. I keep so. forgetting about that. Tisca, just make mention of that. It's the Tisca convention yearly. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Tisca yearly like uh, clinic. Um, the Tisca uh, water pool um, uh, yearly meeting is going to be on Friday, uh, September 17th in Austin. Um, it was it was done virtually last year, um, and then Guy Baker's coming in to. Um, to give some clinics I, and I think the, like the various Tisca coaches are going to be um, also giving some clinics as far as kind of, kind of, kind of having to build a water pole program and, yeah, and, yeah, and those type of things in addition to the guy, in addition to the guy Baker camps and clinics or the guy Baker talks. Um, and then we're also going to announce a whole slew of, of virtual clinics that are going to start in October that are going to be like, you know, twice a month, there's going to be one beginner and one a little bit more advanced each month uh, leading up to the high school season in the spring. Then we'll do it again after the high school season in May, June, and July, kind of leading up to UAL Fall 22. But more information on that coming soon. There are some people who don't know who Guy Baker is. He is the former head coach of the U.S. women's national team, a former head coach at UCLA, a Long Beach State guy. He actually coached me a couple times, Joe. That's why I'm so good is um, is that uh, Guy Baker coached me. So he is he is a, uh, a you know the real deal. In case you didn't know about that already, so for the high school coaches who might not know about who Guy Baker is, like this is a big deal. Like you should uh, get in front of him. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, and he also coached at uh, UCLA for years and years and won yep. and won national championships. Yeah, Guy Baker is is a very good speaker. And he's a very good uh, kind of a clinician. So I would definitely go out there. If you have to be a, a member of TISCA mm-hmm. and you have to pay your uh, kind of clinic dues in order to go. But I do believe it's well worth it. For sure. There you go. Cool. Um, okay. I have nothing else for this segment unless you do, Joe. Don't we have some college stuff that's going to be happening? Well, like, yeah, I, you're Cody? right. You're right. So um, fall, again, opening weekend of NCAA Polo, we talked about Austin College, which is really our focus here on this podcast. I will just make a couple of observations of notable games, really two, um, and I confess I have a personal connection to both of them. One of them is my mighty UC San Diego Tritons beating Pepperdine fairly convincingly at uh, the Triton Invite uh, at out there at Canyon View, uh, they Pepperdine was rank, ranked five. UC San Diego was tied for ninth. So you can make an argument that that was um, an upset, but not a huge one. And then, but but I do think that's an indicator of of something on the West Coast. Things are and UC San Diego again. I'm it might sound self serving, but you know they're going to move up because uh, they're becoming a Division One program. It's just going to make a big difference, I think. So watch out. Yeah, so get out there and watch some streaming and stuff like that. There's ton of there's ton of college water polo going on. So um, just there's of there's various ways to kind of kind of watch out there. So I would highly recommend for those kids that are playing, go watch. That's the best. That's 
kind of one of the best ways to learn. You're playing games at, at, at a tournament. Watch, watch some other teams. Go online and watch, whether it's YouTube or not. So. It's it's amazing how much of streaming there is. And the other, you know, because the Brown tournament basically streamed all of their games, whether they were being played at Brown or Harvard. So um, my assistant, Alon, who wants to be on the podcast, by the way, I, I don't. We'll have to figure out how that works out. But anyway, a, for, a Fordham player, a former Fordham player. So I had an interest in watching them, and they beat Harvard. That's like that's actually a pretty good beginning of the season for a team like that. And I also mention it because every time I now look at these teams, no matter where they're from, there's it is likely they have a Texan on them. And so it is very exciting to both – Watch the water polo for the sake of just learning about the game and watching high quality stuff, but also take a look at the rosters and pick out the the you know the ones that are from Texas. It's a, a matter of uh, it's just there's just more and more of them. It's a matter of pride. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's a whole lot of fun. I haven't really been focused on the college season, but I'll probably watch a You've couple games this weekend for You've sure. Been busy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 it was so good to have it back. So good. And go, uh, like like Austin College, who's playing this weekend. And don't you have it? And like, don't don't you talk with Mark Lawrence here? Soon? I'm going to talk with Mark Lawrence. We'll come up. I, I just want a super brief mention because then we're going to talk to this person who you know uh, next week. His name is Cody Pletcher. He is the new head coach at Cal Lutheran, not Cal Baptist. Cal Lutheran. Go look him up. Um, a Texan who has ascended the coaching ranks to take over that program and. Uh, I don't think I'm giving away anything by saying that you think he's going to do a very good job. I think he's going to do a great job, and I'm looking forward to hearing that um, kind, of, kind of you guys talk. And I know Cody way back in the day. So go, yeah, uh, go Alvin High School. Yeah, exactly. So I will talk to Cody later this week, and then we'll put that out the following week. But coming up right now is my conversation with Austin College head coach Mark Lawrence. Hey, this is Tony Azevedo, five-time Olympian. Uh, you're listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Home from a five-game weekend in the Northeast to open the season. Austin College wins one and loses four at the Bruno Invitational, but now they're back in Texas where they belong. It's uh, head coach Mark Lawrence. How are you, Mark? Good. How's it going, James? Good, uh, a good start to the season, and actually to to back up a little bit, I'm I'm consulting my notes as we as we speak. It, you, according to what I saw on social media, you know I, we have connections, so I kind of know what's going on in Sherman. You had a pretty normal start to the school year. It must have been almost just bizarre. Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a great feeling to get the kids back on campus and have a. Uh, I would say like an 85% normal fall camp of training. Um, there were some small adjustments, like orientation was a little bit less to kind of minimize large groups and things of that nature that kind of impacted our training. But overall, it's really positive and it's great to have people back. Now, it's, I think we're like 85, 90% closer with, with what our new normal is. So that was, that was really nice to, um, you know, our sophomore class talked about it all, all fall and all <laughs> last week and about how they felt mentally and emotionally prepared because they didn't just show up get told to isolate for a semester and then go play air force you know <laughs> out so, uh, they said it was a little, little better better transition for them so 
what what was the ten and fifteen ten or fifteen percent that was sort of still COVID affected? Yeah, it's like um, well, it's like that new normal that you exist in, right? So we're our our campus. We're still we still have like a mask mandate on uh, on campus. Um, you know, we're still doing some social distancing uh, when you're indoors and things of that nature. And then, you know, the orientation this year looked a little bit different uh, from an organization standpoint. It was a little more efficient, streamlined, but it meant uh, a little bit like longer days with smaller groups, I think is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. So our, our, our freshmen missed a little bit more practice than they would have in a normal fall camp. But um, it didn't look like that with how they performed last weekend. Mm-hmm. So it was all really good. And, um, you know, it was all said and done. Just the most important thing is to be back to a, a new normal and have the guys together. So, you know, we could have had a 10% of normal versus 90% it would have been as enjoyable. So. Right. Um, okay. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on here to, uh, this past weekend. Um, it, it's, uh, as I get older, I look at these trips and I think, oh my gosh, how exhausting. It's like the first weekend of the season and you have to fly off to, where'd you fly to, by the way? So we flew to Boston and then we drove from Boston down to Brown and stayed in Providence the whole weekend. Okay. And, and all right, we'll get to that in a second. So let's just go over the tournament. This is your, almost your traditional now season opener. You're still friends with uh, the, the people at Brown in particular. And so this is a really good relationship you have with them. Um, so, but let's go to the first. So your first win came against Connecticut College. It was at the end of the yeah. Saturday. Um, pretty convincing yeah. win, 15 to four. But here's, and here, this is where coaches get all nitpicky. You, you went down four to one against that team. Was that a consequence yeah. of just sort of being tired at the end of the day? I mean, you had two other very challenging games before that. Yeah, so it was our third game of the day, which is kind of crazy to start with. Um, we were supposed to play Connecticut College this upcoming weekend, and they had to adjust their schedule with their travel restrictions. So we decided to play a fifth game with them at Brown um, towards the end of the summer. And we just weren't physically in shape to play three games. And when, when we, I mean, that's hard to do for even – your 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 highest level programs you know so we had two really challenging games that went down to the wire prior to that and then you know we talked about all day about how that was going to be our hardest game and it's simply from the mental and the mental point of view of not overlooking them because they're extremely well coached and from the point of view of um them being fresh and us being tired so we we circled that as our most challenging game of the entire weekend for so many different reasons and the uh, first quarter reflected that we, we were tired and we were flat we looked like we we're in quicksand and you know um we tried i tried every generic thing in the book to try and motivate <laughs> them and then they you know they got the halftime and they kind of they kind of figured it out and they started playing well like they did earlier in the day so um you know we need those games and we need to learn we need to learn to uh come out you know tired fresh playing USC or you're playing a club team it doesn't matter how to come out with the same intensity and things of that nature so we're I'd say we're uh we're still an inexperienced team because of COVID so we're learning how to athletically mature still so and I think you know that was a a, a reflection in that game so right um two games that they're they're similar in score but I think they're probably different in the way that you perceive them or the way that you're you're team plays against these other teams so Gannon actually they look pretty darn good they beat you 17 to 12 I I think it's fair to say that that game was winnable but that was it but they were impressive like that that was a pretty 
pretty good performance by them. Then uh, and then just to address it against Brown, two goal loss, fifteen to thirteen. So what is yeah. it that's different about those two teams, and maybe w- what are the matchups that are that you know favor you against one team versus the other? Yeah, it's, you know, with, with with the Gannon game, that was our first game, and you know, we got the we were fortunate enough to play like four games last year when the other schools were not, but they didn't really they didn't really um, set us up for much success this year. So you know, like everyone else, we haven't really played together in a year and a half, and we're trying to get our bearings back. In the Gannon game, you know, our effort was great, and Gannon's really talented. Like they're uh, really under like 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 under uh, uh, underestimated by. I think people across the board mm-hmm. of how good they are and how good their head coach Shane is. Um, but uh, that game was kind of like death by, by a thousand paper cuts where we didn't do one thing that was terrible, but we looked like a team that was out of sync, a team that was making minor errors on, on especially on defense, you know, not pressing well enough or denying the ball. Um, just making a lot of minor mistakes that in the fourth quarter, we start the game in the fourth quarter and we're tied. Yeah. And, all these minor mistakes just start biting us in the butt, and then once they they got a little momentum with like two or like a two or three goal lead midway in the quarter, we just we couldn't get momentum back at that point. Um, but I was still really proud of how the guys played. They have two uh, Serbian players and a Spanish goalie who are just exceptional players, and they were a really challenging matchup for us. But then we turned around, we played Brown, and we addressed a lot of those errors. Um, we addressed a lot of our lack of confidence at times in the water. And we were able to make a lot of improvements on just fundamentals and what our strategy is and kind of cleaning up our style of play a little bit and cleaning up our lack of confidence that we had against Gannon. And our, our guys came out on fire, and they played exceptionally well. And we had tons of error and tons of missed opportunity, um, as, as did Brown. But, um, you know, that game at that point, I think, was the best game that Austin College men's Warflow team has ever played in program wow. history. Wow. And it was just really, really fun to see. So I think the difference in those two games, I think Brown's a stronger team, and that score kind of reflects who we are as a program. But, you know, Gannon's very well coached, and they got some studs on their team. And, you know, and that was game one, so there's a lot of a lot of things to kind of work out. But that's what's great about having a really challenging, well-coached team as your first game, right? So you they show you all of your flaws. So it was it was it was a good it was a good first game for us so well and brown i think is a good matchup we talked a little bit about this before we uh before we started recording a good matchup in style so it's uh it's sort of brown is known and you correct me if i'm wrong for basically big centers but lots of physicality and trying to push you around essentially and so it sounds to me like that's what you're also doing with your your men yeah absolutely so you know Coming coming from Brown with my past, there's a lot of similarities of what we do, what they do, and uh, it's just a good matchup for us. You know, we uh, I think this year our, our our goalie play and our two meter play is was uh, was the strongest part of, of our weekend, and um, you know, and I think that's the strongest part of their team. So it was really fun watching watching some of our centers and guards, you know, battle those guys, and I think we just matched up with them speed wise. Uh, we matched up with them physicality wise and uh, you know it was it was uh, it was a good matchup for us versus a team um, that would spread you out and try and you know push the counter as hard as possible so um, and then MIT against that guy that um, yeah trader 
Austin Ring yeah. on. He, it, it, yeah. it, just, just, just to be serious for a moment, you know, he's he's now been gone for a couple seasons, but it, the, it's amazing the effect that he has had on the state of Texas in a short period of time. Like people still talk oh. about your assistant Austin Ringheim when he first started with you, and now having yeah. some success at MIT. Well, and like he just comes back for JOs, or we see him at, at Brown, and, all, and everyone wants to go say hi to him and stuff. You know, as, it was as as if he was here for ten years, not one year. <laughs> Um, but no, that was a great game. Um, you know, they're, they're a team that their styles are a little pretty different than ours. So that was a good clash of different styles. And, um, that's a team that we have to beat. Like that's the game that we, we, we expect to win because we want to become that level program, um, versus expect to win because we think we're substantially better. And, uh, we look at teams like MIT and Johns Hopkins and that's, that's our new foundation that we want to exist on and we want to build off from. So, we looked at that game as a uh, as an expected game to win, and you know, like just like the Gannon game, it was we were down by one, up by one, or tied, you know, all the way through early fourth quarter, and then eventually they grabbed momentum late in the game, and we couldn't grab momentum back. So, you know, the the Gannon and the MIT game was, I think, zero. The the end score was not a reflection of how competitive those games were, and um, you know, we were, I was really proud of how our guys played. You know, MIT's got a great center, and they have a great perimeter shooter. So um, it was a really good matchup, and, you know, hopefully we'll see them again later in the season. So, what do, What's their style? Because You know what's curious is because um, if you might think that if since Austin was your assistant, and it was only one year, I understand that, but that yeah. his style would essentially be the same as yours, but clearly it's not. Is he just adapting to the talent that he's getting at MIT? Is it, it? Did you know when he was your assistant that he tended toward a different style than you, but he was just a good assistant and was able to, to execute yeah. what you wanted? I, I think on paper... Or in just general, if we're just sitting, sitting around a, a bonfire, relaxing, talking Warpla, we we see Warpla the same exact way, and we want to play the very like a very similar style and train a very similar way, and that's why it worked so well when he was here, and I and I currently have that with Jeff as uh, well, and um, I think right now what we're seeing with a little bit of different styles that, you know, we both play through center, we both rely on really strong goalie play and two meter D play. Um, but how we play the uh, outside and how we counterattack is a little bit different, and that's just based off of, I think, what what our rosters are dictating at the current time. You know, where his strengths are based off his players, and where our strengths are based off our players, and trying to streamline, you know, what our you know our strengths and hide our flaws. So, you know, I think us and Brown and us and Gannon played very similar. Uh, us and Harvard are extreme opposites. And I, you know, and I think MIT kind of falls in the middle there somewhere. So, which is really good for us because, you know, Johns Hopkins is a very mobile, counterattack friendly team. So, it's good to see teams are a little bit different, a little bit faster that we can still compete with. So, all right, Harvard, you say is a. a odd difficult challenging matchup the score reflected that it was 21 to 10 and again it could be the last game of the day and so on but what is it about that team which is very good it actually just parenthetically very good team but they lost to Fordham Fordham's looking pretty pretty good over, over yeah uh, based on the uh, weekend um you know, you know you know we didn't play Fordham this weekend but we saw the scores and uh they looked like they might have been the, the strongest team at, at the Bruno invite this weekend uh, we didn't get to see them because the tournament's co-hosted by Harvard and Brown, so right. we were at opposite pools um, both days. But uh, Harvard, I mean Harvard's Harvard's exceptional. You know, they're them and Brown are very uh, similar in level of talent, but 
but their style of play is very, was, was very challenging for us to match up to. And a part of that is the fact that we, it was game number five in like a 36 hour uh, window. You know, we mm -hmm. played our first game at 8.30 on Saturday and we played Harvard as our fifth game at 12.45 on Sunday. So whatever that math is. And um, it was, uh, I think, you know, for anyone in the country, that'd be an extremely hard game five. And, um, you know, we came out flat in the first quarter and we, and we looked like we were exhausted. And then we came second quarter. We actually won the second quarter six to one. And we got back into the game um, after they kind of blew our doors off a little bit. And then we just hit the wall in halftime and we just our, our energy level was completely zapped. And uh, not to make excuses, but, you know, we we hit that level of exhaustion that we couldn't fight through anymore. But I was still really proud of how our guys competed and how we played in the first half, like to play five games in a in a 30 hour stretch and have Harvard be game number five and be sitting there 10 six at halftime. I thought there was a lot of positives to take away from that, you know, and the one thing we talked about our guys that before the weekend started is that we weren't going to play great or perfect. But the one thing that we could we could control is our is, is our level of effort and will to want to compete. And um, that never faded away in any of the games, including the Harvard games. So that's like that's something that we're really proud of. What's the 30 second explanation or, or description of Harvard with as far as their style is concerned, as opposed to, say, a team like Brown? Yeah. So, you know, Brown, um, like you were saying earlier, they, they're 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 excellent in the half court. I mean, they're excellent all over the pool, but their focus is the half court. And two-meter play in Harvard's very good at spreading you out and playing a very fast pace and with a high press and pushing a six-man counter really, really well. So, you know, you get a point where, as a team, you're exhausted and you, you, you like, eliminate their, their advantage in the first two, three, four guys down, and all of a sudden, number six guy down is just, you know, create a huge advantage, uh, things like that. And, you know, their speed and their physicality on their press was just really hard for us to... Uh, to to manage and we were able to to get position in center against them just like we did against brown and their schools in gannon um, but the difference was harvard stayed pressed on us and uh, made made it a little bit challenging so um yeah they were just they're not in my mind i don't know if they're better than the other teams that we played it's just a different style for us to match up with and you know a very similar style that our women's team uh plays within their conference so it's kind of funny. We're, we we had some good jokes about that. It's like you know, uh, when the game was over. <laughs> that so this is a this is super interesting because again, you would think you Mark Lawrence, you have a particular style, and of course there's variability in it. You have to adapt according to your talent. But your I think your men and women play basically different games. Is that is that generally true? Yeah, I think. Um, our, we found a, a uh, identity with our women's team pretty early in our program history and our men's team. We've had, you know, such a, a flux of different styles of play within like the recruiting process and what athletes are good at and then things of that nature. And, uh, you know, we got to a point this year where it was really obvious what our men's team was good at. And we just play completely different styles. Like our men's team wants to, wants to execute in the half court and our women's team wants to spread you out and swim as much as possible. And, um, yeah, we're just, it's, 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 it's interesting how you have the same two coaches in the same program and have your two genders can play completely opposites and be, be good at, at two completely different styles of play. Yeah. So it's, well done. Um, 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, it, it also makes, I mean, aside note, it's not why we do it, but it also makes the, the year way more enjoyable because you don't feel like you're repeating everything once the women's season starts, you know, practice-wise. It's completely different. And it's all about catering towards the strengths of your athletes. You know, who knows, like, we might fast forward three years from now and our women's team might play a completely different style or the men's team might play completely. So it's all it's all about um, adapting to the strengths of your players each year and figuring out what's best and trying to have a concrete foundation that's consistent, but, you know, consistent foundation with uh, some different details that could be a flux. So you can adapt, right? Um, I, I had a technical question. So you played um, – Gannon, Brown, and Con College at uh, in Brown, and then you had to drive to Cambridge to play MIT, and then come back to Brown for Harvard. I think that's that's correct. How how oh. far is it from Brown to Harvard? I I have to say I've actually never made that drive before. So uh, it depends on the time of the year, <laughs> or I guess. Um, so we we yeah we played all of our games on Saturday at Brown, and we actually played both games on Sunday at Harvard. Okay. Uh, so, um, and the big reason was that, you know, we, we flew into Brown on Friday and we flew, or sorry, we flew into Boston and drove down to Brown and we flew out of Boston Sunday night. So that made like those logistics a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, it's like an hour drive. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you don't hit any traffic, it's like a 50 to an hour minute drive. Um, but, the the thing is you're driving by the exits for Cape Cod and, uh, Martha's Vineyard and you're driving by Foxborough. So it's all about hitting at the right time. And this, this weekend traditionally is, is not too bad, you know, with traffic and things of that nature. That's so, good. um, it was logistically ex- extremely easier than it sounds, right. but we stayed in Providence and woke up early Sunday morning to go get to Harvard on time. And, you know, had breakfast on the bus type deal. So got it. Um, I also noticed like you didn't play them, but the tournament also hosted Florida, which is a club team. Yeah. And I'm yep. curious about um, that seems to me like something that may happen more and more over time. And yep. I'm curious how you feel about that as a varsity program, because it doesn't count against your, your schedule or yeah. in your, yeah, in your schedule. But, uh, but it does offer you some opportunities to play some very, very different teams. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Um, especially, you know, you look across the country, like you have in my mind, two different types of club teams. You have one club team, which we saw at Arizona State when I was on that staff with uh, Coach Clapper, um, like currently like Florida, Texas A&M, uh, Michigan State, you know, and all the ones in California that they take it very seriously. They train, um, you know, they train as much as the varsity programs do. They fundraise for their travel and they run it as a very well ran organization, you know, and they have like alumni that support it. And then you have other club teams that just kind of like play to have fun. And, um, and I think when you get those ones that take it very seriously and train and run it really well, like a Florida or like an A&M, um, Arizona state, you know, with their men's team, um, I think those teams are great to play. Like we're allowed by rule to have exhibition games. So using those exhibition games to play against a team like A&M or rice, uh, in the past for us has been super beneficial, you know, cause you don't, you know, you don't put the, the score on the schedule. So you're not worried about you know what the outcome is and you get a chance to maybe play some of some of your depth guys or freshmen um, that need more experience you get a chance to work on set plays or different strategies on defense and see what works and what maybe has more leaks in it than it appears on paper so um 
I think those games are great. I welcome those teams. And I think the ones that are really well organized, you know, who who knows? Maybe maybe coming to varsity events and playing varsity programs gets gets their their um, administration a little bit more interested in what they're doing there with, with their club, which could be positive for the future. I know Michigan State spent last weekend playing W&J and Penn State Barron and those schools in the Erie area. So Michigan State was playing varsity teams last weekend as, as, as well. So I think it's cool to see, you know, as the, the, those, those athletes don't necessarily have a lesser mindset um, because they're clubs. So I think when you pick and choose the correct clubs to invite or, or to play, then it's super. It's really beneficial, and Florida looked pretty good. So they had they definitely had some players. So there's no. It, it, is there any thought that comes to mind if you're, uh, you're you enter this tournament? You know you're playing four or five games. You have to travel. Like it's a serious um, a level of effort for you and your team. And the next thing you see is that you're playing University of Florida, which you know is not going to count on your schedule. Is that, is it still kind of worth it because of all of the things that you just said, or would you prefer to play like A&M or Rice more locally so that, you know, you can, it doesn't, it's not part of your larger logistical hassle. Yeah. I think for us personally, as a program, when we travel, because we're so just geographically isolated that when we travel we don't do as much as the other programs but we still play as many games when the season's all over so for us it's really important that when we travel we just we maximize the opportunity to play varsity programs so for us personally i would prefer not to play like a university of florida at a neutral site but i would have no problem hosting or going down to like a rise in a&m a ut austin uh smu or whoever may have a competitive program that specific year you know, and it's actually fun. Like, you know, I, I, I was talking with the University of Florida about coming to Sherman, Texas next year and inviting A&M up. So for us personally, um, I'm all about playing those schools. I would like to play them locally, whether it's, you know, in College Station or in Dallas or in Sherman versus, you know, waste isn't the right word, but we want to maximize our opportunity for varsity games when, when we do get to travel. So how many exhibitions are you allowed to play? Two. And that's it. Okay. Um, I believe I'm going to get criticized wrong by my friends. Yeah, but. no, I'm trying to get you into trouble with the NCAA. It's absolutely my goal. The, the NCAA, yeah. that uh, non-corrupt organization. So um, that's my editorial. The uh, you, you turn right around, man. You got to leave on when? Thursday or Friday to get go up to uh-huh. Erie? Yeah, we leave Friday morning. We have uh, three games this weekend with uh, D3 rivals. So that should go really well. Uh, I'm really excited. Like, you know... Um, we are going to play in Penn State Barron's pool, which, you know, on the women's side, we didn't really have much issue with it. It's but on the men's side, it might be a little bit more challenging. It's 25 yards, eight lanes wide, which is nice, um, shallow deep. So, you know, you get a shallow in there and anything can happen. Like, you know, <laughs> team in the country could be competitive with the worst team once you once you introduce a, a, a shallow end. So it's, um, you know. We were. We'll go this weekend, and we'll play really hard, and we'll we'll really focus on what we could do in deep water and take the shallow side for what it is, and um, you know, and hopefully have have a good weekend. But we're going to play against three teams that are extremely well coached. You know, uh, Nicola with W and J is. I don't think you really have to tell people how good of a coach Nicola is. Uh, Joe Tristan does a great job with the PSB and keeping that program competitive, and you know, we've had a nice nice rivalry with them since we started. And then Augustan is new this year, but, you know, Coach Pryor has been around for a long time. So um, I expect that they'll be very competitive their, their first year. So it should be a really good weekend uh, against three really well-coached teams. 
and uh, we're excited to see how, how we could do and, you know, excited to see our, if our guys, how they approach this weekend mentally, you know, and are they going to, are they going to get up energy wise like they did last weekend? And I think that's a good challenge for a team that's uh, young and uh, pretty inexperienced. So um, if you guys want to drive to Round Rock, I got a pool where you can practice shallow if you'd like. So yeah. just let me know. Um, We're pretty blessed in this area. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, a, a little bit of an aside. You're going to Erie, Pennsylvania, and the news came yeah. out a couple, you know, not not that long ago that uh, Mercyhurst head coach um, Curtis Robinette had unfortunately died. And I, you, did you know the guy? Because you've spent a significant amount of time up in the Northeast. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, Curtis and I had met, uh, we were, uh, professional friendly, I think is the best way to put it. You know, we never really spent time away from Warplow hanging out or, uh, together, but we'd always socialize and check in with, with, with each other when we see each other on the pool deck and, and have our, uh, pleasantries. And, you know, he was, he was a great, he, he was a great person, um, really great coach, but better person. And he's a huge loss for the sport. And he was someone you can always, you know, when you see him on the pool deck, you, you you can always account for him to be in you know first class and welcoming and you know very supportive of, of like other coaches and what we're all trying to do together for the sport. And you know, he's a it's a heartbreaking loss for the for our sport of Warplow, and he's had a great contribution. You know, his Mercyhurst programs, you know, maybe nationwide people didn't realize how good and good they were and how consistently good they were. Um, I remember my second year at uh, MIT, they actually won the South, you know, over Navy and Bucknell were the number one seed for Easterns. So he's had, he's had some great success there. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to continue that forward. And it's going to be, you know, a huge loss not having him around. So and sad as the news was, I mean, they played, you know, they played, they played in this tournament and, and I guess yeah. you wouldn't expect anything else, but wow, what a, a big blow to a culture. And I know that uh, there are other coaches in the conference and in the, in that area that were, that have honored him. And uh, so I just wanted to mention him real quickly. Um, uh, your, the rest of your schedule, you have two games, tentatively. at least I'm looking at your schedule. So there are two games that are scheduled for home, um, followed by another a travel weekend to Colorado Springs, then to Division Three Championships in um, in Connecticut, and then ending the season in lovely, lovely Palo Alto. You get to play in that stadium against Penn State Barron. Um, I'm I'm curious about your your home games. As far as you know, your uh, Ottawa is on the calendar. Is that all we can expect, or m- maybe there'll be more? So we so we're we're hosting with. Uh... Ottawa and uh, uh, Laverne as a doubleheader for both, you know, on our schedule tentatively. And we're working with them. And, um, you know, we're just, things are, we, we're going week by week because everyone's got travel restrictions or different counties people may live in. You know, they fluctuate week to week. So, um, you know, hope, hopefully we'll be able to get those teams out of here still. Um, and hopefully we'll have some our home games. But, uh, I think we're kind of in a holding pattern to see how different counties and travel restrictions and stuff might affect because everyone's different from state to state. You know, we're not going to California this year besides MPSFs. And a part of that is because of the, some of the travel restrictions that we might run into. So, yeah. um, you know, everywhere, everywhere is a little bit different and, you know, um, we'll make the most of it. So hoping it all works out and, you know, fingers crossed. So. Next, so before uh, COVID ruined everything, um, there was a 
a tournament on the schedule. I think it's, was it at SMU? That was where it was scheduled for. Um, yeah, that is that back on the calendar for a year from now. So we're, we're working on it. We are hosting a uh, tournament next year at Austin college. That's going to be a division three tournament, um, including some non-California, uh, D threes. And then also hopefully one or two stack schools out here that we're already communicating with. And then we have, I have still been speaking with, um, coaches, uh, who were committed to coming out to the Dallas tournament. And I think that's an event we still want to do, whether we do that in 2022 or 2023. Um, it's something that we want to do still and get teams like Air Force and Brown and Stanford and USC and different programs like that out here and have a really competitive weekend and have a great showcase of war polo um, and hopefully continue to grow the sport here in Texas. So, you know, I've been asked by those coaches uh, when, it, when we're going to be, be able to do that again, so uh, or at least pull it off. So it's something that we're working on um, behind behind the doors and trying to get back on the schedule. So you know, uh, Joe and I had our, have already talked about how this really was the I I'm going to use like the biggest summer of water polo in the state of Texas ever. Jo's ODP national yeah. cha- championships, like a very a very robust summer for Texas. And now I'm wondering how do MPSF championships, how, how is that location bid out? And would you say that that's something that we want to bring to Texas as well? So now it rotates between, uh, it rotates between the big four schools, okay. which I'm currently happy with like this moment in time. But as we continue to be a member of the MPSF and the sport continues to grow in Texas, you know, I look at events like MPSF championships, and I also look look at uh, events like uh, D3 nationals. And you know, I want to get in on, on I want to get in on the rotation of having those here in Texas and um, being able to to showcase facilities like SMU and you know uh, Westside and different facilities that we have here in Texas, uh, at least in the Dallas area because that would be more convenient for us. So it's, um, you know, those conversations are, are, are happening. How do we, how do we host the D3 nationals with USA Warflow or how can we host a D3 Easterns on the men's side or an MPSF? And, uh, you know, there's some logistic things to work out, but it's definitely one of the goals we have for the program is bringing these big time events here and having, you know, these showcases and how wonderful would it be for the state of Texas to be able to go somewhere like, like West Side of Clock Center or SMU. Well, I like to end these conversations with something controversial, so I appreciate that Mark Lawrence has committed to hosting MPSF Championships in Dallas next year, so that's great. Good news. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure uh, that'll happen. And and enter the sarcastic emoji after that one in front of you. Hopefully yeah. in the, the not-so-distant future. It would be uh, it would be something very good, and it really does piggyback. I mean, you know, we, you, there's work to be done, obviously. And if I were the Big Four, I would maybe want to have the rotation come between just the four of us. I get that part, but you know, given the amount of competition that's come here, Master, Senior, Nationals, and so on to yeah. Texas, and have gone off very well, I could see that at least um, if you were interested in expanding the scope of the sport, then why wouldn't you yeah. want to pick a little bit of Texas? So there you go. My, yeah. This is yeah. the TX Water Polo Podcast, uh, you know, by the way. So, Mark, thank you very much for your time. I'll let you go, uh, and good luck this weekend. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, that's it, Joe. Is there anything left? No, just off. Yeah, just back. Yeah, just back to it. 
I, I will see you on the 18th. I can't, I can't believe it. We have not seen what I don't think I saw you at JO's. I don't no. now that I think about it. Not at all. You were a little oh, no. busy. You had some stuff going on. Yeah. This and that. Yeah. This and that. Just a little bit of stuff. Okay. That's it. Thank you very much, Joe. It's great to speak with you. All right. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Beautiful. That's it. Thank you for listening. Telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast and the Total Water Polo Podcast. I've done a lot of stuff on Total Water Polo. Go check that out. Good interviews with Olympians. Really good stuff. Um, if you want to support us, go to TXWaterPolo.com forward slash give. And huge thanks to – I just looked again at uh, those who are donating. I'm just so grateful for that. So thank you for the, those of you who have donated. And with that, until next week, so long from Austin. Found our way through the last Now that day it all This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.